all right, how about let's even remove, take some of the politics out of this for a second, because I've asked you to sort of speculate of where do you, I've asked all of you, hey, where do you see this going with your the sort of political movement? How about reading the sort of tea weaves of the synchronicities of the moment? Um, so like uh, SJ, you brought up the astrological uh, sort of correlations here. Um, you know, uh, JJ, maybe we can turn to you. You've made two videos recently that are really sort of in the zeitgeist of the moment of um, the Elon Musk. Uh, Bravo. Yeah, those are great videos. Um, can we maybe maybe we, let's talk about those videos for a minute and then try and tie them into if these are if these are showing what the zeitgeist is, how do we then sort of. Um, I don't know, protract that that into a wider wider view of what's happening with the trends and whatnot. Uh, SJ, uh, um, JJ, are you there? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, so tell us, first, first tell us of these two videos, where people can find them, what they're called, that sort of thing. Let's actually do that. Okay, so you can find on my, uh, you can find it on my YouTube channel. It's uh, JJ Droa with two A. And uh, the first video is uh, called uh, You Got the Chip, with a question mark. And the second one is, um, is this uh, reality or is this a uh, fantasy? Uh, the, oh, the queen uh, weird, right? Is this, the yeah, real, the, is this the, real the, life? The, is this fantasy? I don't even remember the, the name of the video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's all about... Uh, Elon Musk and AI and all that stuff. So, what did you think of that, <laughs> Alan? I, oh, I well, loved it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yep. Any, I I thought it was fantastic. I thought um, you're just everything about the the trend that you're mapping. This sort of uh, you know your first video was, as you said, was like sort of like, hey, is this conspiracy? Is this what is it doing? That sort of fine dance there between what what are you examining? Um, and I just I thought the second video was a great extension of the first. It's uh, I'm really curious. I know you, you said you're working on a third video now. Yeah. Um, so just to say I'm curious. What was what was the reaction you got? I know the reaction for the first video was pretty like pretty quick and strong. Have you been getting a, a an equal reaction to the second video? Yeah, it's pretty great. There are less views, but I, I, uh, I spread uh, I less. Uh, I spread it less. Uh, I don't know uh, to you. You, uh, you understand? I uh, I didn't spread it a lot. The, the second video, yeah, so yeah. it's uh, it's got less views. But um, for for the first one, yeah, there, there are a few YouTubers that uh, who who took it and uh, used it in uh, in their videos. So it uh, it it kind of spread it. Uh, Good. I'm one of them, but, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So it is. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> That's great. You you used a lot of my uh, footage in your video. It's great, <laughs> great. And uh, yeah, what, what do you want to say? Um, uh, well, so I guess I'd like to ask. Okay, so if you're 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 watching the, the contact tracing, the AI, the um, coronavirus as this technological what is the virus uh you know is the virus a metaphor all these sorts of things um now as the sort of story the international you, you know the threat the existential threat that we're all facing seems mm -hmm. to be shifting right like hey yeah. 
just two weeks ago. It's is it coronavirus? Is it tyranny? Is it masks? It was whatever. And now it's like, okay, it's protests. It's it's injustice. It's whatever. As we see that conversation shifting, I, I was curious how that feels informed by or, or how your video might might tie into that. Yeah, so, so the, 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 the new video I'm making is about uh, George Floyd and uh, the whole breath thing. And uh, I, I will send you some captures. Wait. And uh, it's, uh, it's basically, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it came uh, as I saw some. You want me to explain the new video? Whatever you'd like, man. Whatever you'd like. I would, okay. I would like that, yeah. Okay, so um, uh, so okay, so I, I, I took the the Pink Floyd um, um, breath song, okay, and um, not not just the breath song, but uh, the Dark Side of Oz version, with the um, and the, the breath song is played um, during the scene from the with the wizard, uh, where you see the the tree tree and all that stuff, and uh, I will send you a capture. Up and, and just be clear, one. you're saying when you play Dark Side of the Moon over Wizard of Oz, you're saying that the song Breathe uh, aligns um, with yeah, when she's like when she's confronting the wizard, like with the green, yeah, the yeah, actually, and all that. it's played it's played two times uh during the the, the movie, and uh, the first time it's uh, um, the yellow brick road scene with the Tin Man. And uh, when we, when you will see my cap caption, you will, uh, you will get what I mean because you have. It's, this, it's uh, right when he da dances, right? It's the second yeah. time that it plays, and it kicks in as he's kind of like the, wobbling from side to side and doing this little dance number, right? The second time is the is uh, with the wizard, uh, where, where when we see, when they see the the trickery, you know, the at the end of the movie, and uh, and. Uh, you did you see oh the, that's the that's that's right that's that's right because then it's followed by time right so then so i know that when she wakes up in her bed i remember that the moment that she wakes up is home home again i like to be here when i can yeah um, and, and so you're saying before that when the the curtain gets pulled is that correct from to when toto pulls the curtain i'd have to yeah yeah and uh did you see the, the video i don't know if you see my caption um, uh on the message no. Okay. No. no. Uh, did you see the video with the guy in the protest uh, saying that uh, uh, showing the the bricks and saying that it is a yes. setup? Yes. So I connect oh. this to this scene. Brilliant. Yeah, brick road, right? Right, right. The bricks. He says he actually says this is a setup, and uh, uh, and he says well, where do the bricks goes? You know. The, so I connected the two things in the in my videos. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, JJ, uh, yeah. about I think it was two weeks ago thereabouts. I shared a video uh, from a month and a half ago of Fossey saying what he thought of people wearing masks that aren't sick, and I shared the lyrics to breathe along with it. And, okay. And I've I've had I've been doing a lot of processing, specifically not just around the song, but all of the. Um, meaning and implications around uh, the, the mass and the ability to, to breathe freely. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I, so there was a kind of a profound point that I wanted to make, and I don't know how to make it because things are so sensitive. 
And I think if I try and share it, people are like, oh, so you're just making connections wherever you see them. But it's been this thing where I'm like, breath, breath, breath. I keep thinking of breath for like the last month, you know, because you have a lung mm. thing going around and all this. And I, I smoke like a chimney and I haven't really stopped because the worst time for me to quit is when I'm fucking stressed out. And I've been pretty stressed. I can't. It's just a reflex, it's, you know, whatever. Um, but I've, I, it's been on my mind so much. And then when I saw the that I watched that footage of George Floyd with the with saying I can't breathe and then tying that back to every instance of that and the whole I can't breathe, you know, acknowledgement. And then I'm like and I'm looking at the masks and I'm looking back and forth. And then so I was looking at this these, this story of these two separate incidents of children in China who have to wear masks all day to go to school, which is what the CDC has said in its guidelines for if we want to reopen schools in the United States, we're doing it the same way China did. And there was two different incidents of, of children running uh, track and field wearing masks, and they passed out and they died on the spot. And I was I was discussing it with a housemate, and it was just like, it, was, it just got really intense because, and so I tried to make like a meme but people relate to memes like humor. And I was like, there is fucking nothing funny about this meme. It was tripping me out. Like I looked at this image of like just George Floyd wearing the mask and saying, I can't breathe mm -hmm. in my mind before I made it. And it just like, it was almost like painful. Like, I don't know, you know, and it's like, I can't share this because people will uh, say, so what you're saying is, and I'm like, no, it's a deeper point than that. Because, like, I'm, like, coming from a place yeah. where it's like, I see, I walk into a store, I have no problem fucking putting a mask on. If I have to have a, a job where I have to wear a mask all day, it's nightmarish. So, like, you know, uh, for for restricting my, my breathing if I'm doing that every day. Like, if I go to Burning yeah. Man, I'm in a dust storm, I'm going to wear a fucking mask to protect myself. Like, that's what I, I have. No, I, I can see the um, the rationale of that. But when you have no end in sight of something, it's a can it's it's it can get dangerous, you know. And so I'm weary of the direction of that. And also just like I'm looking at these at these riots and stuff, and I'm like, like if I walk into a bank now, I'm wearing a mask. Like if I was wearing a mask yeah. in a bank fucking two months ago, it would be like, you know, people would be like, Whoa, are you pulling a gun out? you know, but now it's all it's normalized. And that's just a it's it's an interesting phenomenon, but it's also deeply, deeply symbolic. And so when you're looking at, oh, psyops and whatnot, I'm like, no, this is what, however, even if something's completely justified, you still have flip sides to it um, and what it means in, in, you know, endless extension, you know? So, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alan. Yes, 2001, Haywood Floyd talks about the epidemic on, on the moon, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Thank you. I've been thinking about that constantly. Oh, okay. A cover story. You know, people back home are going to be very worried about, you know, the the epidemic. You know, how long do we have to keep this cover story? And people worried about that. And the idea that you, that you do have something going on and then you have the cover story for it. And sometimes the thing that's going on is actually that there's some truth in the cover story. But that doesn't mean that the cover story is completely the reality. Um, I just yeah, wanna... I, I, oh, I, I just, I'll say it's two, 20 seconds. Uh at the very beginning of this whole thing, my first, before coronavirus like really blew up, I think it was like on a call with Wally and Zanor like a month before when Zanor was sort of paying attention and hadn't really become US news yet. And I had been working on something with 2001 at the time and I was like, oh, I'm literally epidemic on the moon, all this sort of stuff. And I don't mean this as like, a, oh, I, I said this months ago, just more like, 
this feels important to me. This sync, uh, because it was like such a just like a off the cuff reaction, and sometimes those like totally subconscious, like oh, you know, blah blah blah, epidemics, blah blah blah, and now feeling like the name Floyd, epidemic, moon, breathe, all these sorts of things. It 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 does feel really charged. Um, so yeah, I, I really wanted to sort of just throw that in there. Sj, um, I apologize. Go right ahead. No, no, please. No, no, it takes as long as you need. I, I just wanted to stop. It just hit me. I mean, I was like, oh, my fucking God. I just, when, when David and JJ were talking, I mean, they're at the White House saying, I can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that's... And, we, and that's all coronavirus has been about is a respiratory illness. And then the masks. I mean, and, and, it, and I think it really underscores what what I was mentioning earlier that like this unrest I think actually is deeper than the George Floyd situation it has to do you know and I'm not again not to minimize or take away from that central point that police violence against you know black communities is horrific and needs to stop immediately but that I don't know if this protest would have the same fire behind it if it doesn't come right on the heels of a two-month lockdown with mandatory masks etc and so there's some kind of like psychological transference that's happening, but it's explicit in that phrase. I can't breathe. Wow, David. And if you made that and put it up, I mean, that would be, I mean, I, I you know, I understand your, your hesitance there, but I'm thinking, do you remember in France and just to, I want to say this and I'll pass it on, but when Charlie Hebdo happened and JJ, you say you live near there, the comedian came out and he made that meme. It was like Charlie and then the name of the guy who was a terrorist. And he combined the two together, and then they arrested him for that. Mm, yeah. And you know, sometimes they arrested him. Just, yeah, yeah, they're too charged. Where you're like making this point, but it's like, oh, it just it becomes this kind of ah, orgasm of like, you know, fear and just it's just too it's just too too hot, as it were. But just to underscore for listeners, that's super fucking powerful, man. I hadn't even thought of that. Thanks for mentioning it, guys. Wow. It's it's really difficult to know how to relay synchronicity without when the when the when the stage is so polarized, because because people are so concerned of info versus disinfo, and synchronicity is is primarily focused by its very nature on what happened, not why it happened, you know how it happened, who's who's responsible for whatever. All the different sides. It just becomes kind of a plain picture, and if you want to share a plain picture. You know, everyone's going to read into it and go, oh, so what you're saying is. And so that it, it's like we can if because, you know, censorship is the way that it is. If we want to share an insight into something, you know, artistically, <clears throat> there's no room for art, you know. Well, David, if I may just say, I you asked me that night when we talked about that meme, did I have any ideas? And I, I meant to actually message you the next day. I had this thought, which was. What if you took Haywood Floyd, put a mask on him on the same background of the George Floyd, you know, like basically make the same meme with a different figure? Do you know, you know yeah, yeah, no, I'm following you. There's all like, kinds of different ways I could do it. And so what I what idea ended up coming out out of, out of that, because I took that post down, and I was like, you know what? And I shared it in some other on some other group, and I tried to give an explanation to qualify. And I literally got people calling me an absolute piece of shit, you know, just because they see it, and it's so it's it's um, it's so triggering. 
And I, I look at it like, I'm like, you know, when, when somebody triggers me, I look at what is it in here that I don't want to look at, even whether the person's, you know, right or wrong. It becomes more a matter of what do I need to reflect on um, about my own perceptions of things, you know, uh, and the way that if I'm frustrated with somebody, you know, uh, objectively, what is it that I don't want to look at? And I, I, I will see those uh, interactions as opportunities frequently um, to get more insight into my own shadow. Uh, but like the nature of the shadow is such that it never actually truly becomes conscious. Like you can, you can get further articulation of like inferring what it is, but it's in the very nature of the unconscious that it remains unconscious. The best that you can do is, is kind of, um, create an, an understanding of something that's almost a type of inference into the other side of yourself. And that's how, that's how wars go. You know, that's what Full Metal Jacket is. That's why you don't see the enemy until the end. And then it's a woman, you know, that's deeply symbolic. You know, um, I find it really interesting that like uh, it, this is context of the times, obviously. But like when you look at Freud's interpretations of dreams, as well as Jung, they both say, like, if you're a white person and you dream of a black person, that you're you're looking at um, what does that represent? And they're like, oh, it's your shadow. And there's something to be said about the founding of this country and the things that we repress and the way that things come up, even just like, you know, that, that the way that symbols work with us and what it is that, that we're afraid of, you know, and when I look at what this officer did in the street in Minneapolis, I can just see the, the, the fear and the shell of arrogance or the, the shell of pride um, and they, you know, they apparently had a history together. They, they worked at the same place for 17 years. And it's hard to imagine working together for that long that they could have no interaction. And so it seems like there's another another level to what's going on there. But the, the ultimate truth is that this has been an ongoing uh, imbalance, in, uh, obviously, in, in the way that the police departments are run and the way that the, the precedent has been set. And uh, I mean, I've seen this is goes I, I've seen uh, footage of of, you know, a white man begging for his life from a cop who who shot him while he was on in a hotel on the on the floor with his hands out like he's just crying. This guy's crying, begging for life. And he just gets shot, even though he's no threat. And it's like this stuff happens all the time. But it's always like the 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 the. Um, in the nature of the shadow that we don't want to look at, at certain aspects of ourselves, you know? So I think a lot of things are just boiling up and coming to a head because of so much repression, you know, and oppression comes from repression. Like you don't oppress externally unless if there's an inner repression there in the midst that's, you know, there in the first place. And so. Well said, David, that's really, that's powerful. Very, very, very powerful. And um, yeah, man, I just, I think that um, I don't really know. I just wanted to comment just to say, yeah, thank you for sharing that, man. That's that's super. Just the idea of this unconscious and and where's the shadow and it's a tough when you start going in that that uh, that method of looking at a situation. It can be difficult, I think, pretty quickly for folks because it the external narrative that is easy to latch on to that has to kind of like you're saying earlier be worn like a loose blanket. And then the focus actually gets turned back in on the self. And there's kind of a, there's a sense of ownership there that comes with that of like, like the shadow is the collective shadow. Yes. But then there's a, how is my personal shadow interfacing with the collective? 
and you know am i willing to go into that and they look at that and, and it's there's a place of pain that is that can be rooted in usually wounding or trauma from from the past um and 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 when you start touching that area and kind of circling that it becomes really um dangerous but i think also profound and it's very very difficult to do it's very very difficult to do and so i don't blame anybody for if their response to that is to externalize and just kind of get into that primal side of themselves like it makes total sense and i just wanted to say that from earlier like the conversation we're having at the beginning like i completely understand what people are doing and why they're doing it like it makes it's natural it's like telling a lion to not go to the, into the jungle and eat i mean this is a natural response to the trauma and the collective trauma and the, and the psychic traumas and the media trauma and the um economic trauma like yeah boom it's, it's just, yeah it's my my uh issue with like you know when people are really 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 down on the homeless and i'm like you know what in the 80s and the 90s it meant one thing like there you generally speaking was more choice involved in in your lifestyle and where you, as to where you ended up and a lot of people are going by this kind of oversimplified view of things and it's like it's not that way anymore like when i was driving a cab i i people were losing their houses to fires here in California. And like I drove people to the homeless shelter who had never thought that they could be homeless. Like there was a middle-aged woman who was like hyperventilating in my cab when I, when I picked her up from the shelter, like she got in and she's, and she had this little bit of luggage and it's all of her possessions. And she like had a house and she had no fire insurance. So she just doesn't know what the hell she's going to do. But the point is I'm like looking at this woman and I'm like, Oh my God, if you're in this situation and you don't get help, uh, what are you going to look like in a year? And then somebody else looking at this person, not, um, not knowing, you know, um, what her story is. Like I was thinking like a year from now, the way she might appear to people. And also just like when you're really struggling, you know, like you, you will act in ways that you never would have thought you would have acted. So that's what my, what I have to say to a lot of people who are just, just strictly down on the homeless, like just, you know, uh, you got to understand that like you, you too could be in that position, even though it seems outrageous, you know, if you're middle class, you know, you could be a couple to a few paychecks away from, from being there, you know, and, um, that's a really difficult thing for people to accept. So they, they push it down and then it, you know, they make an enemy out of the people because of their own fear of, of landing in the, those same circumstances, you know? I mean, people will be able to to uh, maintain a, a certain, uh, you know, a certain degree of uh, of dignified action until they're starving. And you watch the way that that starving people get. You know, it's like people can will maintain themselves a lot as long as they have their distractions and toys and and food. You know, once you take away the things, then they they start acting in a totally different way in ways that they themselves would never expect that they could act. You know. Yeah, I saw today they were saying they took away the sports, you know, like all that got removed during the lockdown. And I think that adds another layer to the psychology of the moment that, um, you know, the the circuses that people had relied on for decades and generations. Yeah, I bet Joe Alexander, Alexander could say something to that effect. Yeah. Um, Alan, do you want to come in here? Um, what, do you, what do you think about... Um, I don't know. I know you might be having to head out soon. Um, the dark side of the moon, the shadow. Yeah, that whole Floyd thing with the cover and COVID and 2001 is really, really, I think there's a, there's a lot there. Um, 
but yeah, I just just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I mean, um, and and you know, JJ's been posting some more screenshots here. Uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild begins. I mean, so this is all fascinating. JJ, I can't wait for your next video. This is going to uh, be really interesting. I have a, a lot of stuff, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I wish I would be able to explain that with words more easily. But, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, a picture's worth more than a thousand words in this case. Yeah, these pictures are, are really... So, so that's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to address that here in a podcast, um, but yeah. I can't wait for your video to, to show some of this. Um, yeah, so uh, just as I said in the chat here, um, I am going to have to leave in the next 10 minutes. Um, I can totally leave the recorder going if you guys want to continue. Um, I'll just, I'll basically, quote unquote, stay on the call and just let my computer keep recording this. Um, if you guys want to continue, I, I don't want to shut this down just because I got to leave, but, um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, all, all this, all this being said, I mean, um, things are changing rapidly. Uh, things are, are, whether that's, um, curfews and, and, uh, contact tracing. And it's, it's amazing, man. Like fucking just a few weeks ago, right. We were like, Hey, it's all coronavirus. Is it, you know, we're, it's amazing how we went from, is it, is it okay to have 10 people together, you know, to, to this, but I, 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 again, I, my heart understands this so largely. And I, and I will say, you know, in a fucked up way, my heart and from a position of understanding, I understand these sort of, um, the people who were so desperate for a return to normalcy. So like, um, you know, I saw locally here, um, we had a, like a, I think a cop car was burned outside the police station and, um, okay. So we had two nights, uh, maybe I hope I have my timeline right, but I think it was two nights ago, a cop car was burned and a bus was burned here in Richmond. And, um, the next night there was talk of attacking the police station and the a local news station and NBC affiliate put this two minute video on YouTube, uh, on Facebook saying like describing a scene, but it's nothing that happens in the video. In the video, it's just like, it's a street at night. There's people there. Some are marching, some whatever. Nothing's fucking happening in this video. And the caption, though, was like, the smell of gasoline is in the air. Things have been broken, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you for you're trying to paint this really specific picture. But, like, that's clearly not what's happening in this video. Anyway, there's 200, like, angry face reactions, you know, 150 cry face reactions. You know, all this sort of stuff. And all the comments are like, why are people breaking stuff? This is unacceptable. And this isn't, this isn't a protest. This is a riot. Again, like you're, you see how people are being fed on one side of the division and how people are being fed on the other side of the division. I, I see it so clearly. And I, and I understand why people are having these emotional reactions to what they're being fed. Um, and the only thing, the reason I, I sort of said, I mean, there's multiple reasons why I said, Hey, let's focus on, 
the Black Lives Matter aspect, or that, that we can't forget that aspect. And again, I, I want I want this to be a bigger. I want this to be a spark for a bigger moment of change. I absolutely want that. I've been saying that for months. That I'm like, this needs to. COVID should have been the spark for uh, oh, oh, uh, this this activism, right? I mean that that should have been. Hey, how dare you? We're having. You're telling me there's a global fucking pandemic and everything's happening and. We're going to, you know, everyone will be out of work and potentially getting sick, but we can't have unemployment and we can't have fucking health care. Like, fuck you. This should have been this should have been the spark two months ago. But when I say about reminding of why we need to keep the Black Lives Matter at the sort of forefront of that is also to say that all these things that you can say are propagandized, all these things that are triggers and emotional reactions and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. All those things that we can't say, who's controlling this? What is the reality of the situation? All those things are unsure of. The one thing I'm absolutely sure of is that the actual reality of, of police brutality and, the, um, and the, the emotional desire from a community under attack to grieve and rage and all those sorts of things. Um, so even as a sort of grounding exercise, I, I think that has to be central. Does that, does that make sense? For like a, this is the one thing I know is real. I don't know, I, I tend to think, I mean, I think, I, I, you know, as a grounding exercise, I think it's, it's, it's useful to return to that absolutely, um, because it was the trigger for the whole, at least the immediate trigger but I also think kind of an arch uh, an archaeology uh, of of what's happening require. I mean, it, it's happening in the in a larger context, and that's got to have to be incorporated at some point, I believe, in order for there to to really even be a larger solution. I, I and you know, and and so, but but I do hear you, Alan. I mean, I I think people just need to be seen and heard and be given the microphone. That's to me the most probably the most important thing. I, I, like passing the mic. You know, and the Truth and Reconciliation councils, that's what it was all about. They went on for months and months, and anybody could just come sit with the recorder on record, printed in government, um, you know, um, in the government record. It's all it's there to go back and view. And there's something just extremely powerful in knowing that you're 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 being heard. That's what podcasting is in a way, right? You're recording and you're putting it into the world. And so, um, you know, I, I just I, I guess. I guess I, so. Yeah, I just think that's a really important point of it all. This idea of being seen and heard, and um, you know, but I do so anyhow. But I think there's structural and interconnected issues that also must be addressed in order for there to be this the kind of change that actually addresses the issue that's primary as well. It's like this is symptomatic of some really deep shit. And oh yeah, my oh, yeah. fears. You know, I just think it. I think it. How you incorporate the primary concern in and then bring it into the deep stuff without losing sight of it. That's a real tough task and a real difficult task. Um, but I think it's a task we, we can take on. I think we're up to where humanity is up to that. Um, you know, God, sure. I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, I, I, you know, again, it's like, I want, uh, I want that there is a, uh, yeah, I, I want that so badly. Uh, again, you know, um, uh, hey, um, 
uh, before I go, um, shit, I just I sort of like well, I lost my train of thought there. Um, I do want to add. Oh, I wanted to say um, two things real quick that I, I don't care if they're on the record or you know or not. Um, just to say, uh, David, um, you know, as far as the kitchen sink Facebook group goes, you know, we sort of danced around some of that. I just want to say that, like, I'm totally, you know, I want to open that. It's funny, like, we're, it's like this fucking, sh- sh- oh god, the language is all the fucking same, right? Right. People, you know, even like you think like people are boarding up their their shops, you know weathering the storm all these sorts of the language is so fucking loaded on all these different sides but um i as i say i'm totally open to reopening the kitchen sink sooner than later but i was thinking the sort of poetry of maybe giving it two weeks um (laughs) with you know sort of coronavirus i know um, i i get where you're coming from i just i told i had people a lot of people sending messages to me saying hey sure yeah my phone is blowing up and and what i what i told each one of them was we're pausing it for a minute we're taking a breath no worries we'll be back and so and so i wanted to yes taking a breath and i believe me when i said that i i i meant that um with awareness and so I guess, um, you know, my, my feeling is, is that we can play uh, admin the way, you know, if, if somebody wants to say some bullshit like that, fuck them, get, get them, get, you know, it's um, it, they, they're welcome to say that across the Internet. But it's hard enough for us as a as a sync community to stay focused on sync. I mean, even listen to half this conversation. You know, it's like I'm pleased that we're having this conversation. I think it's an important conversation to have. And also, we're we're a platform for people to share uh, things that they don't always have the opportunity to share and have it be uh, at least relatively understood by like minded people. And so we had. I, I it was partly my my fault, but I knew that when I add. I know that when I add people now. When they make requests, I look at, you know, what, what their other groups that they're affiliated with and whatever. But I can't know for sure who I'm bringing into our fold. And if people want to want to show up and, and say whatever they happen to be uh, violent, violent views, then uh, simple. They're out. You know, um, when things get carried away, it's I think it's 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 actually really cool that we have that option to pause it. I'm glad that you did that. I think that that's actually really, really a cool thing. Uh, but at the same time, I love my community and I love having that, um, you know, uh, that ability to to have a platform where we can share those ideas. And I would hate to get rid of it over a few fucking nutbags. Sure. I, uh, I just want to say, I mean, the thing that's in my mind, so... Um, it's a bigger, you know, there's a bigger conversation that I'm not going to try and have right now, but I just want to say that there's, I am concerned that there, you know, you say there's this one guy or or there's actually two guys making comments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, so basically it's one guy who was very new starts making some really fucked up comments. Another guy who's been around for like two years. But I, I know the the other guy. That, that guy actually usually has really good contributions to the group. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. it's like, oh, okay. Once once that door's opened, of like, hey, let's say how we really feel. Suddenly, people have saying some really fucked up things. Right. I challenged um, that guy. I sent him a private message. Sure, sure, sure. And I said, hey, you know what? Like, if you want to get added back into the group, you know, uh, that's that's not out of the question. But you have to communicate with me and the admin. 
what what you know um not not say oh show us your political leanings and if we happen to align with you yeah, whatever. yeah but tell me what to, but to, to, but to, you know tell me what you really think you know and see uh, i i am i'm gonna be i'm gonna be with you if you want to if you want to have those conversations that's great for you i'm at the point where like every minute of my day is really fucking precious right now right um and I, I just I've just had it where I've been removed from groups before. Sure, sure, sure. And been like, you know what? Usually I don't get that opportunity uh, to as, state. As the you case. know, I've I've never been that guy. I've never been that moderator. I don't want to be the moderator of a Facebook group. I've never wanted to be a moderator of a Facebook group. So mm-hmm. I'm really not trying to. Well, be... Well, let me let me take on a little bit of that for you. Sure, but when we have to, you know, there had I I think. So yeah, this is like a, this is a bigger conversation maybe between the two of us of right, right, there right. there's a role then that I I I almost feel like if you're the moderator you can't be the one then you can't be in the shit conversation right because um it's it's a little it's a little uh, even even to the other you know any others you, how are you moderating a debate between you and somebody else do you know what I mean yeah. Uh, so it's almost like you just realistically, you cannot moderate a debate between you and another person. That's an unfair advantage to you. You're not going to get a truth out of them or you, you know, there's just, it's just, it's such a complicated I gotcha, thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, and the, the other thing is that that was actually the second, <laughs> you know, like that, that, that's the problem that group started earlier in the day. Um, with some other comments that were more low key, but along the same lines. And I, I had a private conversation with somebody and some comments were removed. And now I wish those comments weren't removed. Right. Um, because it sort of paints a bigger context, but right. But early, you know, I, I mean, I know that some stuff was said earlier in the day that was, I ended up removing those and making a message saying, Hey, that shit's not happening here. What's crazy is that I say, you know, this isn't the place for George Soros conspiracies. And the first guy to respond, like, positively is the guy who ends up talking about shooting everyone. And I think I realized, like, did he think I was, like, saying, (laughs) you know, almost like there's no place for Soros agents here. And he's like, great. Now I can really really say fuck you to all. And I'm like. Holy uh, shit! Did, did he misinterpret? And and again, that that's so revealing. That's so revealing that once people felt that it was acceptable, that they were in they were in good company. Mm-hmm. They were then their true colors were. Maybe out. that's what it was. That's actually that would make total sense. Actually, yeah, that, that could be mis- misconstrued because right. if you're aligned a certain way, you take exactly. that. Exactly. And what you're saying is not just. You know George Soros. You're using that as a descriptor. Yeah, saying, I mean, so do we want to? Do, and you know, you know, but how, are you, but how are you supposed to articulate that completely in a way that people get? No, we we are a group with a focus. Now, yeah. do we then go going off a little bit in different directions? It's okay, but are, but we don't want to just become a fucking Reddit group. We want we are a synchronicity group focused on these different things. You know, if you want to share your opinions to an extent, that's fine. But if your opinions ultimately are are just you know uh, just uh, violent and and uh, fear driven completely, you know, and and um, you know very divisive and polarized, then that's that's not 
you know, that's not, that's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so like JJ sent me a video earlier of a guy, you know, pulling out a a crossbow at protesters. He said there was another one with a guy with a sword. Again, I, I haven't watched it. I haven't seen any news in the last 12 hours, but he sent me some stuff. And that's that's the sort of thing where it's like these people are being sort of riled up uh, in the same you know, in in this same situation, and um, you said it all in your video, by the way, and that was that that was huge because a lot of people are jumping into. There's a certain mystical edge to conspiracy where mm-hmm. you kind of feel like this kind of illuminated. Oh, I see, and a lot of us have gone through these different stages of being disillusioned in certain ways, having certain things confirmed in other ways, and it takes a lot of experience to come to a place of perspective. And so, like, there's certain friends of mine whose whose introduction to all of this, especially people who are younger, is like, you know, they're going, they they like jumped on board into something that was already like has already been hijacked, and they a lot of people didn't get to experience that time when conspiracy culture wasn't wasn't so partisan and polarized, and so to not have that context and just to jump into this game is just it's 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 tricky because I'm very grateful for the times in my life where I got into different ideas different people like even like someone like say greg Braden or somebody who had really outlandish ideas and went through a set of disillusionment where i end up coming to see what in the midst of that still holds and what and what doesn't so um and a lot of pseudoscience and these different kind of things and if you haven't gone through that sometimes it takes that experience before you can gain perspective and see how oh wow i can get really caught up in a certain ideology and not even relate to it as an ideology, but just relating to it that, Oh, I, I've been red pilled. Oh, I see the way that things are. And, uh, that's, that's a very tricky area. And so I try and have some sympathy for some, not just sympathy, but some perspective on people as they're developing. And I'm like, okay, you're well, do I want to completely shut everyone out? And it has a slightly different, who's bought into something in a slightly different way, you know, especially if they're new to the scene, you know, like I don't want to just, uh, polarize myself yeah. then from them and mm-hmm. give them the opportunity so to have insight. So what do it is that I say to these people, you know? And so when I'm looking at a thread like that, you know, I'm like, well, if it's too extreme, then I'm not even going to bother, you know, because how are you going to, I'm not going to talk sense into people. But if I have other people that I, I feel are like trying to come to their own understanding, but I see them kind of like tripping up on some of the contradictions and things, and I would rather them reflect than just completely shut them out. But that's Agreed. but there's a fine line, you know. Agreed, yeah. Um, all right, uh, it's just because um, I'm going to have a really good go. Uh, so, I, JJ, I, again, if you guys are going to continue talking, you might want to bring up the crossbow guy and the sword guy, or what, or it's totally up to you if you want to bring up that some of that stuff. But, uh, JJ, can I ask before I go, since I have you on the line, um, do you have a sense, uh, since we retarded this video, I almost feel like I need to get this video out sooner than later um just because i feel like I, I i don't i don't know i feel like the since the conversation is shifting so quickly um maybe that's foolish maybe you know i i don't know but i i, I feel like there's something even for myself for closure of like moving on into you know as things are shifting um yeah that's so what <clears throat> Uh, so again, zero pressure, but I'm just curious, where do you think, uh, you stand on your end as far as time frame of, um, 
uh, tomorrow it will be re uh, uh, now it's uh, one a, one a.m. in France. So tomorrow uh, in the morning it will be ready. I have maybe one hour of work and it's uh, it's great. It's okay. Cool. But um, your video is great as it is, so I didn't have to add a lot of stuff. It's uh, it's already great for me. So yeah. But well, uh, I feel you. Yeah, I appreciate I you. I appreciate any work you're putting into it. So yeah. But uh, I feel you about uh, the fact that you want to move on, and uh, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> really. Yeah. Like I said, I, I didn't want to be a dick, and I'm not trying to pressure. No, no, no. It's anything. Okay. I just I feel like. Yeah, there's there's some there's a there's a weird um, yeah yeah I know <laughs> it's like you know it feels like holding my breath you know? yeah yeah I see um well okay uh, listen you guys have a great I'm basically what I'm gonna do here is I'm just gonna leave my microphone muted so it'll just uh, so the I'm not leaving the call and it just keeps recording you guys talk as long as you want and when you end the call and I you know I should have a recording of it so. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, thank you, guys. I really appreciate everyone uh, coming together today, and um, I, I wish everyone the best of luck. Uh, you know, getting getting through this and uh, enacting some of the changes we want. You know, it's not to me. It's not just weathering a storm. It's how do we, you know, uh, whatever. Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like, feel like there's a chance again. You know, it's like, do we just brace for something and try and hope it passes or are we trying to like uh be a part of this moment and um still i have a lot of questions and a lot of mixed feelings but i appreciate you guys uh talking to me today i really appreciate that so you'll have a great day and i'll talk to you very very soon okay be safe out there i love you a lot later on take care Bye. man thanks hey uh what's this zelda uh breath of the wild begins with open your eyes uh, is the, the the video game the last uh, Zelda? It begins oh. with open your eyes, and you have the the footage from you know of the George Floyd uh, famous footage, and you have open your eyes be, behind the police officer. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's in the photo. I never even noticed that. Yeah, it's uh, and you. We, oh, it's on a it's on a passing vehicle, or yeah, yeah, it's a bus, and uh, we see we actually see the the full sentence. Uh, in the in the, the frame, you know. And so, in my video, it will be more uh, obvious, but uh, yeah, oh, fascinating. great connection. And uh, and if you see the 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 other one with um, the CNN, yes, uh, footage and the dark side of the rainbow. So I you have the, the umbrella with the with the rainbow. Yeah. And uh, do you remember there is the umbrella? There was an, an umbrella, a black, uh, um, a sure, 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 from the the yeah. apparent provocateur. In the beginning, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, I, I wanted to show you know like the the uh, the umbrella shows the the fakery of the thing you know. Yes. And, so uh, did, wow. Yeah. Did you did you uh, either of you guys see uh, mid Midsummer? No. Um, Watched a couple times, man. I love, I love that movie. Have Have you seen uh, Midsummer with um, Tool's most recent album, Fear Inoculum? I haven't. No. Uh, I haven't. Okay. okay. Well, if you guys get the chance, I would recommend it. But it's like um, I would consider it like of all like I've I've done so many pairings for so long, but it's like of it's the most direct poetic expression of what is going on right now. 
like of any of the 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 projects that i've put together um there's a lot of references throughout the film to the wizard of oz there's a scarecrow uh pa painting or picture on on the wall of that of the house of the girl danny in the film uh there's so there's levels to this and it's a lot to convey and i've considered putting together a film thing on it and writing something out um but basically you know like i have i have family in sweden and i i communicate with them frequently and uh something came up recently where my cousin was telling me about how they've had this steady um uh drop in um in deaths in uh in sweden and I kept on only seeing this one graph in our media. Like, if you go to look up the actual statistics on the official sites and stuff, you can go along and you can see the different versions of the graphs. But we have this kind of, like, exponential rise increase. And I was like, I've seen no drop in Swedish deaths when I look at the representations of that. And my cousin is telling me otherwise. And then I, I went to, there was, like, that, um, there's, like, a WordPress thing that came out. Uh, fill add mixture of info and disinfo, whatever. Really hard to uh, to suss out what's what's what. You have to do a lot of research to get an idea. But in the midst of it, there was one comparison of like, here's a media chart, um, the a repeated media chart. Here's the actual, and then they state their source. So I went to the the source of this, the Swedish Health Department. So it's like the official statistics, you know, and I did, and I compared the chart from WordPress and they're, they're exactly the same, but it's a shorter timeline, but there has been a steady decline in Sweden. And a lot of it has to do with uh, nursing homes. So like they had all these privatized um, nursing homes in Sweden. And uh, when they, when in this epidemic first started, they had no restrictions put on them. For one thing, they're independent from the, from the government, but they probably could have, um, you know, who knows, even if that weren't the case, how things would have been applied or whatever. But basically, people in, in Sweden, especially like caregivers and nurses, will travel a lot because there's other work outside of Sweden and then they'll come back. And so they had no restrictions on travel. Uh, and so they ended up with like a lot of a lot of cases uh, coming from people and also just visitors, like people just visiting them. So they put once they put all these restrictions on on the nursing homes, they saw a dramatic drop in uh in cases correlation doesn't equal causation but it was it was pretty apparent the thing that got me was that the swedish leaders acknowledged it as a huge mistake and that was refreshing because when i look at that i'm like when do our american leaders ever admit any mistakes they'll stamp they can they can say one bit of disinfo and they won't let it go they'll stand by it just so stubbornly and I was like, wow, look at the Swedish government actually said, OK, we made a mistake. We'll make an we made an adjustment, you know, um, that acknowledgement. And so when you're watching this film Midsummer, which is, you know, uh, uh, obviously takes place in Sweden, there's also a racial element that's that's. Uh, a huge component of the film and when I first watched it I didn't really pick up on it and even in a midsummer group that I belong to online like people would talk about it and I kind of was like oh I don't really see that and then I found that the director himself Ari Aster has openly acknowledged that aspect of the film and then uh, it, it's it that then ties in like you have basically this this racial aspect but when you pair it with the tool then you have the vaccine aspect because it's not just about vaccination it's about the underlying philosophy and the um uh, when you take something to the extreme like where does it stop 
you know, uh, in, in terms of control of our lives and all of these things and, uh, and rights and all, all sorts of stuff. I just find it fascinating that Tool waited so long to produce an album. And then of all the subjects that they could tackle, I mean, you talk to Jordan Barty around it, it makes for a really interesting conversation because, you know, he's, he's looking at uh, even old synchronicities expressed by Alex Gray over like 9-11 and all this stuff. And it's like the way that 9-11 connects to COVID-19 because you have in both cases, you have a real event, you have something that's taking place and then you have all of the twists and all the manipulations that surround the thing, like this big sheath, and it's very hard to penetrate to the truth. Um, and so it's it's hard to just like convey verbally. But I will say that that Tools Fear Inoculum and Midsummer, what gets communicated there is of all my all my album film pairings. I believe it's the most direct um, expression or, or the most applicable expression to what we're seeing uh, 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 poetically and um uh, in terms of what the two together articulate, it's like, you know, uh, water and light producing a spectrum, you know? I can, I just want to jump in here because um, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier. And just to say, I mean, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to say, but um, first I wanted to mention that uh, Dylan released a whole bunch of new work right around the 311 event. And so it connects back to 911 because he's got this, you know, we've talked about this before, David, love and theft. And now he's got murder most foul, which is really rich and deep with symbolism. And it's coming out and there's three songs, murder most foul. Um, I contain multitudes and, um, uh, I forgot the other one. Uh, I think it's, Oh, uh, um, it's and the cover has the vaccine the shot right there's a skeleton with a needle and it's called uh i'll get the name up here in a second the third single his album's coming out in uh, this month so we're i'm june now where i am in georgia um, but it's coming out this month and so that's for the first thing i'm going to say second is that you know there's a whole conversation i've had it on this podcast already but the lunar nodes which are the place it's the place in the zodiac where eclipses take place are in the same part of the sky now or actually they've moved now they've shifted now they're in the part of the sky where the patriot act the iraq war homeland security when where that was uh with uh came in uh to, to to birth came into being um and which is also the same part of the sky they were in when the national security act in 1947 came into being the cia and everything like that but during the COVID explosion the nodes were right in the same part of the zodiac in the early degrees of cancer as 9-11 as the jfk assassination Ooh, as the cancer of- that's um, poignant yeah, ca- stay can- in your homes exactly stay in your homes the cancer capricorn axis because the, the eclipses have to they take place on that axis which is government right uh, stay in right your homes, sure structure capricorn structure yeah. whereas when you shift into aquarius it's active saturn where it's like the new boundaries are being enforced upon you and right that's but that's been redirected now. Is the, yeah. the the emanated flow that Aquarius speaks to? That's the twist in the language because the way the language is developed, and that's a that's a complex subject. I've been speaking to Zach around that a bit. But that's, um, that's Hitler coming to power in the in the early thirties, the the Great Depression as it accelerated, like so thirty three, the Kennedy assassination with Saturn and Aquarius. Um, so we're entering into that now. But the last thing I wanted to say because this theme you just pointed out here, David of how uh, racism and vaccination kind of merge. I don't know if you've seen this article. I'm going to send it to you in the chat. It's a Guardian article that came out uh, five days ago on the 23rd. So no, about a week ago now. 
But this is a paragraph from it I want to read. This is what's happening in Central Europe. So here's the qu quote. The alliance of anti-vaxxers, neo-Nazi rabble-rousers, and esoteric hippies, <laughs> which, has in which has in recent weeks been filling town squares in cities such as Berlin, Vienna, and Zurich, is starting to trouble governments as they map out scenarios for rebooting their economies and tackling the coronavirus long term. And so there's this kind of connection between anybody who's anti-vax and, and, and then people are, are now people that are also racists, you know, severe racism, neo-Nazi rabble rousing. But then they're connecting it to esoteric hippieism. And that's just fascinating to me because talk about midsummer i mean that seems to be what's connected in that community right esoteric hippies taken to the extreme you know with the racial violence i don't know about the anti-vax thing i imagine they're not shooting vaccines right I, I actually am very uh not i i really don't like the term anti-vax because the majority of of quote anti-vaxxers that i know um my cousin here being being one of them i mean i I've had so much, um, I get inundated with all of these things from my cousin because he's been so up on that for the last few years. You know, it's constant. He's like, a, he's an activist around that. But like, he is not an anti-vaxxer. He is a is a pro uh, go, going about these things in, in a way that they're not going about. So he, he, want, he doesn't want to be a guinea pig. He, it's the acknowledgement that for one, there's no substitute for a time trial. Um, but at the same time, it's this this idea that, you know, uh, you you want to make sure what you're putting in your body is safe. And uh, there's when you get into the, the deals that get made and the, the profit side of all of it, like it'd be one thing if we had a free healthcare system, they would have different motivations. And so like what we see in, in America, as opposed to a, a, a lot of places, unless if you're talking about America into the third world, you know, I mean, you have a different relationship to these things. Um, but there's a lot of places when you look at, um, you know, when they when they feel something isn't safe, you know, they uh, they their their governments aren't as quick to force things on people, you know, and I think that there's also a misconception when people talk about mandatory mandatory vaccines, that's probably not going to translate as people coming to your front door with guns. What that means is if you want to be a part of the system, there's certain things you're going to have to do um, and, and allow. Uh, and um, that's going to be a, a different matter. It's like, oh, yeah, you're free to not do this. But then what's that going to mean for your survival, you know, in, in the system as it exists? And so that becomes a more complex question. Yeah. And I'll, I'm with you on the, uh, uh, we're on the same page, I think, with that. But just that that alliance of those three things merging as as the great enemy, and, and you know, uh, it just matches with the the I guess the villains of Midsummer. If you just look at the plot and how that film is constructed narratively, you know, at, on the one hand, um, what is the character's name? The woman? I, I can't. Danny. Danny. The on the one hand, Danny loses that boyfriend and that relationship that was so sour and anodyne and clearly not meeting her needs but that like in order to do that she gets captured by the cult and by this grand evil villain and and so it, you know that's some of the irony of how the narrative works in the picture but just i want to go back here like i was thinking about this i was going to make a joke at the beginning of this call uh David, you said something like um what we're now becoming or we're merged we're, we're we're on the brink of like birthing a kind of new being and that that's i don't know exactly what you said but i was going to make a joke uh, do you mean by taking the rna dna experimental vaccine 
Because um, one thing, yeah, yeah. Just to say the one thing about this this vaccination program that's that's in development now is that it's new technology. It's never been approved, and it's actually different in terms of how it works than any vaccine that come come before. The previous vaccines would put something into your body, and then you would get then develop antibodies around it. That's the theory. This vaccine actually injects DNA. It's kind of like making you a genetically modified human so that then you modify the DNA of the being such that that DNA, I guess, then is protected from the virus. And so it's a whole new frontier of modification that is now being uh, ushered in. And it is kind of like a precipice or a, a new, uh, you know, a, a, a threshold that's being crossed in some sense in terms of um, Genetic uh, genetic treatments is really, uh, you know, genetic, uh, they call it gene therapy. It's like gene therapy on a right. mass scale. So that's, I, it's, it's hard ahead. to articulate my actual sense of that because it's like, I mean, I can, I can use different, different um, means to convey, but like, I'm very much like, this is really weird, but the relationship between 2001 A Space Odyssey and Rosemary's Baby, where you have these two stories of uh, that both involve childbirth, one involving the Christ and one involving the Antichrist. But this I, this idea of uh, like, you know, like Roe versus Wade, like Rosemary being being Roe, is that you ha you have something that's being that's clephotic or trying trying to manipulate something with this idea in 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 of this what it is that we're trying to make happen. And then there's what happens on its own because of nature's reactions to not just that, but everything like the way the intelligence of nature versus our own kind of uh, sense of what we can control and what we can manipulate. And so I look at that in terms of like, okay, well, these are two orders that exist, but which is primary to which. And so it would be like with, you know, you have the 777 lightning flash encoded into 2001 in the, in the titles where if you add up the gematria of, of Dawn of Man, Jupiter mission 18 months later, and Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite, you get this expression. And you see as you move through the film, you're, going, you're ascending up the tree in terms of the planetary correspondences, why it is that it's Jupiter in the film, Saturn in the book. But my, my point is, is that you have these two things taking place at once. And so what I see is AI and the, all these kind of like... Uh, ways of of tweaking the human being and merging with technology and all this stuff i see that as like this kind of like uh secondary feeble attempt uh, and and kind of demand for control over something that's ultimately out of our control and that the intelligence of the species is one thing and that that's primary to our relative intelligence in the replication so we're relating to a simulation as though it were the thing that it's simulating. And in, in doing that, things can look really fucking scary. But I, I have to, like, back up and try and get some relative objective sense of, like, what our abilities truly are, you know. And I think that it's it reminds me of Babel, if Babel was, like, constructed at the pinky toe of god and then we're basically the pinky toe of the tower and we're looking up at this tower and we're like look at this fucking thing that we're that we're doing it looks great to us but in the grand scheme of things it's just minuscule you know and i think any represent, representation of something is kind of like that you know like it will always fall short of the thing that it's it's basing itself upon if that makes sense You want to? Still got you guys there. Sorry, I was. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't turn my mute off. I was going to oh, say, yeah. yeah, David. I was just. I went into a little question there for you. Um, 
I was going to say, would you say that then the RNA DNA vaccine, I mean, having a debate about whether it's good or bad or even an exploration of that is almost difficult because we don't have the full context that that that's that that could be held in in terms of what it might be. It's just like any any pharmaceuticals like you have no substitute for a time trial. And so like that's the value of the people when it comes to all sorts of other substances in like the 60s and 70s was we had all these guinea pigs. And so there's a misconception people have around San Francisco in the middle 60s that people, it's just like when you talk, or you talk about the summer of love later, you know, it's like people took everything that came their way. And there's a lot of speed, there's a lot of, you know, heroin. And then what we went to, it's like in the 70s when people would go out to the disco and do a bunch of coke, they'd be like, oh, this is awesome compared to alcohol. Look, we can dance all night, have a great time. You don't feel like shit the next day. What's the problem? But it took a generation to really learn what the problem was. And even if your stuff is clean or whatever, it's going to wear on you and it's going to deplete reserves. And so, you know, it, it took that troubleshooting before we gained a perspective. And now there's so many pharmaceuticals and there's so many different things that people are taking. And it's hard enough, even in the midst of that, to get an idea of what's even happening in the moment. You know, I'm amazed at the amount of, of, of quote unquote, anti-vax mothers, you know, and then you have people saying, listen to women. And I'm like, I want to actually, I don't want to block these women from speaking about what they've experienced with their children. You know, I mean, it's mostly mothers. And so I'm like, you know, do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of, um, it gets kind of twisted in that way. You know, it's like, I want to hear what people's experiences are. And I've, I've known enough people in my, in my own circle that have dealt with things with their children in real scary times after their children got vaccines and got super sick, you know, um, and it's not vaccines across the board. It's just that you have when you're when you have so many different vaccines that you're taking. It's like where's the end in sight? And when there's the profit side to it, it's like how much oversight actually exists here with all of this, you know? And you want to think that people have your best interest at heart, but when there's profit involved, it's kind of it's kind it makes it kind of difficult. Yeah, I mean, I'm fun. I'm with you fully. I just want to make a connection to what I wanted to read this. Actually, it's a quote from the Radical Culture, a critique. Richard T. Ford. He's a Stanford law professor. Uh, I don't know if he would identify himself as black, but I mean, I think he looks melanated. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says here is uh, though there is no necessary correspondence between the ascribed identity of race and one's culture or personal sense of self. And group difference is not intrinsic to members of social groups, but rather contingent on the social practice of group identification. And he says that, and this is a paraphrase, the social practices of identity politics may coerce individuals into the compulsory enactment of pre, this is his quote, pre-written racial scripts. And I bring that up because, um, you know, I've been talking tonight a lot about um the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which I think is extremely powerful, where people just get to say what happened to them. And I, with the vaccine issue, I think it's very similar. We talk about pre-written medical scripts or pre, pre-written kind of uh, the realm of acceptable medical act- activity within the medical system, which we know is controlled by Rockefeller for, for, for some time, probably over 100 years. And I think that movie Vaxxed 2, I don't know if you saw it, where... Um, they just went around the country and they started interviewing mothers. They said, what happened? And it wasn't just mothers. There were some fathers, too. But basically, they just put the camera on people and said, tell us your story. And many, many people came and then, uh, and, and said, look, here's my son. Here's the picture before. Here's what happened. You know, and so I'm just like, I just think it's important to get off the pre-written scripts 
in general, but particularly on the Vax issue, I think it can be extremely powerful because there's, they call it um, uh, circumstantial evidence or experiential evidence, or no, there's a, anecdotal evidence is the term. And a lot of people poo-poo that, well, anecdotal evidence. Well, I think, you know, you have a pile of anecdotal evidence. That's some of the best evidence that you can, that you can match. And I was thinking, I was going to say this earlier, causation isn't correlation, let's be clear, right? <laughs> I mean, in the sense that maybe correlation, I don't, I don't, I've never really understood that. Like, I think correlation is, can be just as powerful sometimes or even more powerful in a way. Well, it's both. So, like, when you have a, a controlled study, you want to say, yeah, correlation doesn't automatically equal causation. But if you stack up enough as evidence, I mean, all science is inference anyway. And so if you have evidence to something, there reaches a point where you're like, okay, well, all signs point, point to this so we can safely say. And uh, when you don't have a controlled study and you just have a free-for-all, it's really hard to make an ultimate um, determination in that respect. Yeah, and they won't allow that because they claim that it is unethical, uh, which is, you know, backward in my opinion. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. They don't have the, the gold standard of science, which is the double-blind placebo. They won't, they won't, it's unethical to conduct that. And not only on the individual shots, but also on when you, they don't do the test on the combination of like the 78 doses that people get. So it's a real dicey thing. And, and, and I just want to say for, for me, trying to combine the, the, the George Floyd moment and the unrest that we're seeing, I think that they, it, it can work together. Dennis Cook and I were messaging earlier, and he was telling me, and it, and, it, and it goes with the masks idea that you guys have been discussing. But he was saying, well, they made everybody, they made the masks mandatory, right? You had to have them in most places. And so everybody got the masks and a little, probably a stockpile or ordered their sewn mask with their special, with their 2001 monolith pictures on the mask or whatever their preference was. Um, and then when the lockdown lifts, everybody's ready to go with masks to go into an environment. Masks have been normalized. And then the unrest comes. It's almost like it kind of flows into, into the, the next shoe, dropping shoe of this moment we're in of this year. Right. The idea well, also, is, would you kindly remove your mask? Yeah, would you? you, know, would you, would you, you eyes wide shut. Oh, yes. And so, then, and then how that connects to Villa, Vanilla Sky and Open Your Eyes. So Vanilla Sky came from a film called Open Your Eyes. Uh, Vanilla Sky was the next project of um, Tom Cruise following Eyes Wide Shut. And it's filmed at the Dakota. You, it was filmed in New York City in 2001. The 9-11 attacks happened uh, as the film was, was being made. And so it became this question whether or not in that final scene before he leaps from the building, which itself is symbolic, um, to you know, to get out of the dream, and uh, the t the two towers are there in the background. But what's also strange is in the original film uh, that that came from. Uh, you, I forget what country it is, but there's actually two twin type buildings in the same placement in the same equivalent shot. But there's a lot of different things I could say about it. But you know that he has his mask in the in yeah. the in the film, and it's a it's a it's a heavy focus. So when you're approaching these things, like I want to just say, like symbolically. Like, I want to have a symbolic discussion, but it's really hard to have when you have such charged feelings on these things. You know, it's like, and people want to say, if you don't want to wear a mask, is it just because it's it's feels restrictive or whatever? And it's like, I, I, I look at it, and I'm like, I feel like it's really unhealthy to wear, especially an N95 mask, all day long, every day. 
So like if that becomes a requirement, it's like, well, is that really helping your immune system to not breathe fresh air, you know, or to be recirculating the same the same air? I think that that's a valid question. And I and I look at what Fossey was saying just a month and a half ago, and he was like po- kind of posing the same thing. He's like, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily helpful. And so if something is being mandated as necessary, when there's even question from uh, people with like a mile of credentials after their name, and if their platforms are getting banned and removed and their, their voices aren't allowed to be heard, and you're like, well, this is actually a qualified person. I mean, we here we were having protests talking about listen to the scientists, listen to the scientists. And if you have scientists that are that have a different feeling than the um, than certain aspects of the narrative, then what are you, what are you supposed to do then, you know? It's like because there's there's it's there's there's damned if you do and there's damned if you don't aspects. So if you if somebody is you know told to stay in and their proclivity or their orientation is to stay in and you see them getting more pale and bags under their eyes and it's just like all of this and because I've seen that when I've gone out sometimes from some people I'm like oh wow you look like you haven't been out in a while you know it's like especially if you go into cities and stuff you know it's like not everyone gets the same amount of sunlight and to be able to get the right amount of fresh air and all these things and also like healthy bacteria from from touching different things and being around things like i mean i was taught a certain thing about the immune system growing up that's why they told us you know that's why it's good to you know play in the mud and stuff it's like you know <laughs> so yeah I don't, parties. I don't know jj any, oh i'm sorry the measles, uh, measles parties. Sorry, Needle, measles parties. There's like that Brady Bunch that's been banned. You can't watch a Brady Bunch episode where they got the measles, you know? And I'm like, why is it banned? Like what we can't see, we were not allowed to see that. It, it feels kind of um, ill-dignifying in a way to, to not trust the, the public to be able to even look at something from our past, you know? Oh, JJ. JJ, I wanted, are you still there? Because I wanted to ask you, you've got to leave, guys. Good. Peace, peace out, Guillaume. Um, I'm curious about France, JJ, and like the the feeling of like the medicalization or the medical industrial complex, or I mean the vaccine issues. Is that something that's uh, people are worried about there, in this like they are in America? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of anti-vax, as you said. Uh, it's, it's yeah, they they are concerned about that. And uh, what I should say is that uh, my um, my stepmom is a is a doctor and uh, in an hospital, and um, and basically she told me that she had some concern about uh, the future of uh, you know French uh, medicine and and uh, and everything because she she understood that uh, all the um, the medical um, uh, I don't know how to say in English. Uh, all the um, our uh, uh, everything is is being uh, every everything is being uh, moved onto uh, Microsoft uh, the Microsoft servers. I don't know if you if you understand what I mean. Like the the uh, the, uh, the computers at the hospital are being no the all all the files from the from everybody are being yeah, moved. the health records the health records yeah the health records yes uh, they are all being moved onto uh, the Microsoft servers um, and she she's concerned about that you know she she asked me why you know because uh, I was talking about to her about uh, you know Bill Gates and all that stuff so. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you have, um, you know, all of these different corporations and all these, like somebody tried to do like a, I mean, I forget what you call it. It's not GoFundMe. It's it's this thing where if you if you have a cause and you want to find signatures for that cause, and one of the causes was to investigate Bill Gates, and uh, it got the amount of signatures more so by far really quickly, and uh, it was shut down because the Bill Gates Foundation owns the very platform where people were putting that forward. So it's kind of like, you know, you open that door where you're like, yeah, we in, we investigated ourselves and found that we did nothing wrong. Um, and when when somebody has that much control, it's like, well, what are you even supposed to do anymore? Um, how are you supposed to approach that? And so I yeah. don't really have an answer. Um, and it, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, go ahead, JJ. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, it it means that uh, everything will be centralized uh, worldwide, basically. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, my 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 feeling is like I don't resonate with that Orwellian view of a of a boot stomping on humanity's head for ever. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, once we get to a place where we actually have this projected ideal of, of the elitists, like when that level of globalization happens, because we need globalization, but we don't want it in that way. We don't want a few nations dominating the rest of the world through military strength and force and calling that a global community, because it's not. It's some, That's something else that's still the extreme tyrannical. You know, it was like, who was it? Um, Caligula, Caligula once said he wanted basically everyone to have one head. Like, how do I, how do I get all my enemies to have one head so I can just in one single swoop take them all out? You know, and I think the internet has kind of afforded that in a really strange way, uh, maybe an unpredictable way. Um, but I, I, I mean, it, it, there was actually uh, these diaries of Einstein. Uh, I used to have this copy of like. It, it was really cool because you could see uh, his entries before the bomb got dropped and his rationalizations because he thought that, that if, if that was to be used, it would just be for Germany. And then his shock when we did it the way that we did it, you know, and kind of like his, also just his confusion and regrets and not really knowing what the right thing to do was beforehand and all, all this stuff. But there's a point in his diaries where he talks about the necessity of a one world government. And he says outright that if we don't have a one world government that we're doomed because nation will fight nation and just it'll just be endless conflict. And he was like, but unfortunately, he realized after the bomb was dropped um, that this one world government will likely be one nation or a few nations dominating the world uh, through through their military. And so that, you know, he's like, well, you know, we need this, but not like this. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, you could say that to Melania. I thought you wanted to be rich, and she's like, you know, not like this, not like this. You know, it's, it's I feel sorry for you know. I want to make bumper stickers just to like free Melania, you know, because it's just like, wow, you you did you really sign up sign up for this, you know? Um, but we want certain things, and the way that those will express themselves, we have our ideal, and then we have the way that it gets actualized. And when the actualization is that far removed from that ideal, it's like, what did the ideal even really mean? You know, um, but my feeling is, is that when we actually get the end that's that's um, envisioned, that it won't be the vision by necessity. 
and in that it will be rejected even from the people at the top. It's basically Metropolis where they destroy their own city and then because their city is destroyed, because everything's so interconnected and the top of the pyramid relies on the bottom of the pyramid, that that will ultimately bring the two extremes together because we are in this together. And so people might not want to admit that, but it becomes more obvious as, as more and more people struggle up the chain from below. So the middle class people are turned against the lower class people and they think that the upper class people are actually on their side. But really, those upper class people, generally speaking, don't give a shit about them. And so they, you know, they have all this hope and they have all this, you know, aspiration or rather ambition rather. And they get, you know, that gets that gets nipped when shit actually goes down. And then we have to have this acknowledgement of a, of a perspective of how we're really one in this. And so my feeling with like even the virus is that that's kind of like the backside of what we're being shown is how connected we are with one another. And that in, in, in truth, we all, you know, we all share all sort of everything together. We share bacteria. We share, you know, <laughs> we share a lot. You know, more than we usually want to acknowledge in our in our kind of linear projection of it. We all breathe the same air. We all with the Kennedy. I can't. I can't do it. Quote. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that's profound. And you saw this with with like wealthy people were having to stay in their wealthy homes. I saw stories about now they have to clean their own, sweep their own floors because. Oh yeah. I mean, you want to watch Madonna taking a bath in fucking rose petals. And then her lecturing on everybody about, oh, just stay home. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, spaghetti. Thanks. Fish and and spaghetti. What was the lyrics to her song? She was singing something fried fish. Mm. Fried fish. You know, fried. (laughs) Um, I wanted just to point out that JJ's video, Open Your Eyes, that certainly relates to Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, that's a a direct hit with Eyes Wide Shut. Um, Yeah. And in Eyes Wide Shut, we have the, the rainbow thing. So yes. Yeah. yeah. I already t- took notes, so I, I I didn't remember about uh, even the vanilla sky. Uh, yeah, the I, vanilla sky came from a movie called Open Your Eyes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A Spanish movie, I guess. Yeah, both have Penelope Cruz, who married Tom yeah. Cruise after Vanilla Sky, after he left Nicole Kidman, and yeah. then you have the Scientology connection, and that's where it gets all really deep, you know. I mean, it gets he, deep in a few places, but I think he just yeah. dated her. Did he? Did they actually get married? Oh, maybe they didn't get married. Maybe they yeah. just dated. Yeah, you're probably right. But he was married to Nicole Kidman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was writing the thing out about that for Joe, but it got really, really complicated, and I was like, "Wow, this is requiring a lot of work." And I want to return to it soon, but I was doing a write out on the Scientology connections um, into Eyes Wide Shut and. Um, just their whole story, and which is some of it's just hilarious, you know, uh, like the field of flowers. Like he had this vision. Tom Cruise had this vision of running through a field of flowers with Nicole Kidman before they met because he had seen her in movies and stuff. And so the so he was with um, uh, Mimi Rogers, and Mimi Rogers yeah. was was connected into Scientology. But then her her father was considered uh, I forget what the name that they call it. But when somebody is is a questionable person in Scientology, they get targeted. And so that so he so they had to break up that marriage, and then they put him with Nicole Kidman. But like they planted all tried to plant all these wildflowers in this field, and they and this is so symbolic. This is like the perfect allegory because the the flowers didn't actually like take. And they ended up like basically running through a fucking dirt field of like weeds 
and like to reenact his vision and like it just wasn't his vision and i'm like wow that wasn't like a precursor to the rest of their relationship you know it's just it's just incredible you know and the line between you know the art versus the reality you know and uh life imitating art versus life art imitating life and how the two are both true at the same time in their own respective ways um but yeah i know it's 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 an interesting rabbit hole to 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 go down for sure but um David, have you seen the movie, um, uh, the Spielberg movie, Ready Player One? Did you get a chance? Yeah, to I have that? a sync for it with Oasis. Oasis came out with an album the same year called Time Flies. And if you start the album with the film, the second that it starts, the album will go 60 seconds over the film, like just the album straight through because it's a super long album. And so then there's this, the thing with the Zemeckis Cube in that film where it turns back time exactly 60 seconds. So if you take the album and you just lay it, starting at the second that it starts and the last line you hear on the album before the last like 60 seconds of the album will be um we need more you, uh i need more time and so he says i need more time and that's the cutoff point and so and then the album being called time flies and then it's that oasis is the the simulation world that they're in um it's just so yeah it's 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 pretty powerful the other thing uh, i wanted to mention though is that anorak is the identity of james halliday in the oasis world and that backwards is corona no fucking way. Yeah. It's spelled with a K, Anorak with a K, but it and it's Carona, so it's Right. And like, phonetically. Yeah, okay. It's phonetically Corona. And and so, Fantastic. you know, that's something I was just I've been thinking about that sync quite a bit because that's all about, you know, if we have an architect or a demiurge, you know, if this is some sort of demiurgic simulation at some level. And Corona was this moment where we're, there was a global kind of upgrade almost like a software upgrade right at easter too and then you have the easter egg in the film and how and how and how that might relate to the orphic egg and and the moment of easter with trump that's where we did this whole ritual was on that easter sunday right that's right really important i listened to that by the way that was that was that was awesome yeah that was it was powerful um but i just but, but like this idea of software updates because it felt like a software update, but now they're talking about the patent six 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 with Gates, where they maybe part of the six 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 six. There's a there's four sixes, but yes, sir. Uh, HR HR six 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 six. But it's an injectable. Well, there's two six six sixes. There's the HR, and then there's the patent number. Oh no way! I didn't yeah, know that. And his patent number it's zero six zero six. I think zero six zero six. <laughs> um, and it's and it all it has to do with injectable nanotechnology that goes into the body and that can measure the work you do and give you digital currency based on this kind of uh digital measuring uh here here it is i'll send this in this is from twitter zero six zero six zero six the patent of the beast <laughs> and it's uh this that's his hyperbole but it's here i i can bring it up here it's cryptocurrency system using body activity data W zero two zero two zero zero six zero six zero. Well, remember as well that six 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 corresponds to the Babylonian sun square, and you have Corona. The word itself relates to the rays of the sun, and then you have it's it's COVID nineteen, and the nineteenth arcana is a sun card. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's it goes back to the Rick Clay. Did you hear that? Uh, you watched Alan's video, so the Rick, I, Rick I adored Clay. it. I I cried at the just. Not much, but I was affected by the the Rick Clay thing because that's just that's so incredible. Like he died right after that interview that he did. I know, 
I, I have you heard it recently? Because this came up on our last call. And I listened uh, to I've I've, I've watched that so many times that I I have it pretty retained. Is there something in particular? Well, I just I that we can get into the particulars, but just to say, listening to it, I felt like Rick was talking about this moment that we're in. Almost yes. every point he said was dealing with it. The one thing in particular is this Corona theme and royalty and Clay's whole idea was that there would be a royal kind of um, savior, right? The new age savior that mm-hmm. was coming through Prince William. I mean, that was part of, I'm putting words into his mouth, but he also mentioned AI. You're not thing. actually, because he literally said that, so you're okay, yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know, I just don't want to miscarry, but this idea of, of an AI coming online too, that Alan gets into in the video about 2012 being the AI on, that's coming online. And I just think this kind of bionic interface with humanity that relates to the Gates, the coronavirus moment, seemed to be so, something like that and something about this kind of bionic merging with machines if we could follow this patent. But well, I'm wondering how the royal family fits. And there is a lunar, a solar eclipse this year, special solar eclipse. It's right on zero cancer, right after the sun ingresses into cancer at the summer solstice, which is where the sun was in Prince William's chart when he was born in 83. Right, I remember that from Subliminal Synchrosphere. And he talked about that. He talked yeah, about he yeah. how they, they gestated him and then they induced him. They didn't know, like, what's the name for that technology? But the inducement of Prince William. So he had the zero degree cancers, cancer in his natal chart. He was also born during a solar eclipse, near a solar eclipse. And so mm-hmm. I'm watching right now closely. Um, there's been stories about the queen um, maybe never coming back into public life after going to, into lockdown for corona. Right. Um, you got William, too, which is Bill. And then you yeah. got you got Bill Gates, and then you have Bill and Eyes Wide Shut, and then you have the Ninth Gate, and you have him going up to the gate being told, you know, give up all further inquiry, you know. Um, and, and so, yeah, and they, they warn him, and then what happens? His daughter gets kidnapped. It's the last thing to happen in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. And that's a little subliminal there that some people are hip to because you have the two guys from the party earlier follow the daughter around the corner. There's no way that that's an accident. So you have basically this threat and then the threat actualized, but the, but, and then for her, for Nicole Kidman to say what she says following that, to say there's something really important we need to do right away. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, fuck. It's like, this is, this is, they're looking to reconcile their relationship, completely oblivious that under their noses, something that will never be able to be reconciled is happening as they speak. And so it's like when we're relating to kind of a topical level of things and even under our noses, something else is being taken from us. Um, I found that really deep. Yeah, I mean, and she's even, in the, it reminds me of the beginning of the film where she's kind of, they're rushing to leave and the, the daughter's there. And, and many of the scenes earlier in the film, Alice is with, um, I forgot her name, the daughter's name. Um, Helena. Helena, but uh, they're so, together. Yeah. So, you know, you have Helena and Alice is, is Alice Bailey and uh, Helena Blavatsky. Yes. And then the connection to like where um, Alice in Wonderland was first read to little Alice Liddell was on Isis River. And so you have Isis Unveiled was her, her first big book, right? And you had that followed by The Secret Doctrine, uh, Helena Blavatsky. But she's the te- so you have the teacher at the beginning of Eyes Wide Shut teaching Helena or the... the um, not just teacher, but a, um, a tutor 
And so you have the tutor at the beginning of Alice in Wonderland teaching Alice. So now the roles have been reversed. So it's as if little Alice grew up and now her daughter is getting the instructions just as she got the in instructions. You know, it's it's um, it all flips around. And then you have also that it's a in the in the book, uh, it's a dream story. You have um, that it, it's it's an officer, but it's not specified as a naval officer that she has the fantasy thing with. And then so as Bill is going around and he keeps visualizing his Navy officer, that connects into Scientology because obviously L. Ron Hubbard has his whole naval connection. And so like even like the high ranking members of, of Scientology, the way that the Sea Org, they, they're using a lot of uh, naval sim symbolism. But the thing is that then that ties into our court system because the way our court system is set up came from maritime law. And that's what the gold fringe around the flag is supposedly about in every courtroom. And that when you go up to talk to the judge, you're uh, symbolically boarding a ship to talk to the ship's captain because all of our laws are based on this whole maritime thing and which was made for entirely different reasons and so and then you have your natural self versus your um you know your your paper self you know um your social security number and all these other things so when you sign a ticket and it's all it's supposedly this is true i don't know i i I don't know how to fact check this, but when they say you get a ticket and your name is in all capitals, that that's corresponding to your like national self. And so when you sign the ticket, you're saying, um, here's my natural self aligning with my national self. And you're verifying that these are the same thing. And so you have a lot of identity um, assumed and tied in to the court system in terms of unifying these things. And supposedly that's why people are in certain positions of power don't have to unite their natural self with their national self and they can be independent of that if they can afford it so to speak and so i'm saying something i don't know the complete validity of but that's an idea i've heard from several different sources and i've, I've yet to disprove that so i don't really know yeah i've seen people that go down that natural law route and they end up they kind of abandon it some can claim it works but others like ended up in jail it's not um, a matter of whether or not it's going to work for somebody when you're dealing with somebody in the middle or lower classes i think that that if it's going to work for you it's it's going to work for you through something that's not even um you know in the public eye you know well i think there's validity in just a symbolic idea set behind it i mean that you have a piece of paper with your name that's not you that's your name i mean they're there's an idea sure. of like uh, the signifier and the signified there that I think is really fascinating. I just want to point out, JJ put in the chat, George Floyd right with the Corona light bottle behind him, like a big poster of a Corona light I've bottle. I've seen this, so yeah. I yeah. haven't seen that. That's nuts. And, and there is this, uh, this kind of quote-unquote remedy uh, talked about in, uh, in the internet. It's, uh, if you hold your breath for 10 seconds, you... You you can see if you if you have a coronavirus or not. And it's like a test. Uh -huh. mm, I, I saw that. Good. I did that test. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it oh, funny that it, okay. it's a it's a beer from Mexico, and what did we have in 2016? But this all this whole fixation on the wall and all these jokes about Pink Floyd's The Wall, and you're like you know you're relating to what is that wall really? And like when I first heard of wanting a wall between us and Mexico, my immediate reaction was that wall's for us. We're to oh, be yeah. an open air prison. And I was like, you think you got it good in America right now? And you're like, oh, don't don't let the foreigners over. No, you're not going to be let out. And so that was that was just my knee jerk. And then I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, isn't it funny that like now Mexico doesn't want the Americans infecting them? And so you have this like 
flip side happening. So it's the shadow of that movement of wanting that wall. And that of all things, it should be named this, this virus should be like have a share a name with the most popular Mexican beer. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, uh, just to say, man, that's why I'm out of America. I don't live in America. I'm not there. And I made, had to make a choice, like fly back. Remember when Trump first closed the borders with Europe, he was like, all right, come back now. You might not be able to come back. And everybody ran to the airports. Um, I remember that moment. I was like, not going back. I'm not, I'm going to take my chances over here and just, and just hopefully the borders can, there can be some freedom of movement. That's one of my big worries about this whole thing. Just to quickly say, I, Di, ISIS, you mentioned ISIS and mm-hmm. Helena and Alice. Well, Diana mm-hmm. and ISIS was a big thing about, about Rick Clay. He had this whole thing about Diana. That's right. And Crossroads and the symbol of the ISIS statue in the British Museum. Right. Which he didn't even know, or at least he didn't say how specifically that ties into the golden bow and this is where it would be nice to have alan on or to discuss this with him because diana's what the the um the lake at uh, nemi was referred to as diana's mirror so where the golden bow ritual took place has specific relationship to diana or at least where they say it originated you know and what i find interesting is like you know a lot of these core aspects of the golden bow the specifics around that are debated but whether or not it's like a lot of things it's like whether or not they're ultimately true um you know the connection exists and so it's like I sometimes look at things and I'm like, well, even if something isn't so, if people believe it, for example, like if you're looking at Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, you'll find a lot of things that don't necessarily have to be backed up. But the fact that certain people believe this and then act on that belief leads us to where we are. And there might be like, you know, um, one way or the other, you have those archetypes that are being pointed to are, are present. And uh, it's amazing how well you can actually document some of the more um, subliminal aspects of this, you know. Uh, and and follow the thread. What 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 is this? That you just uh, share? Just, that's, that's the six 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 thing. Just for you guys for, to take a look at later. It's the patent and and everything. There's a, uh, there's a whole thing there on it. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to. It's this is a tricky one. Maybe to to fact check, but. Uh, well, it's got a screenshot with the actual picture of the patent. I, I don't. I haven't seen anybody claiming it's it's not uh, accurate. I mean, I don't. Uh, you know, it very well could be, but I think that would have come out pretty quickly. But but. So I had a recent uh, conversation with Alan talking about the new currency, and I guess I, it'd be nice if he was here. But the um, they're naming it after a um, after a city in in Germany. So basically, it's taller which is the etymological root of the word dollar. So we know that the first dollars picture Jesus on the cross on one side with a serpent on the pole on the other, which is speculated to be where we get that symbol for, for money with the S with the line through it is actually the serpent on the pole. And so on the cross, it says NU21 for numbers 21, which refers to when Moses puts a serpent on a pole to heal the Israelites who had been poisoned by these other serpents. And so the gematria of Messiah in Hebrew and Nehesh, which is serpent, are both 358. So you have these Fibonacci numbers in a row connecting these two things. <clears throat> and now you have the new currency is being specified as uh, taller. And when I first hear taller, I'm like, oh, are they referring to that coin? No, they're referring to another coin from the same uh, time frame that's also from Germany that pictured a lion. And so you have now the lion being connected with the serpent in the currency. And what it is is that we're going from ultimately from gold to digital. So with paper in between, you know, um, and so 
in in that movement, what you have is going from dense to etheric in terms of our currency, because digital is obviously as close as we can get to the etheric, right? So, and then you have the it's the clephotic version representation of the emanation, and also that you have the lion serpent connected with the Hebrew letter Tet in its in its glyphic origins. And which is itself a talisman, if you've ever seen that represented with the lion head with the serpent body. And so it, it gets very interesting, too, because money itself is a talisman. And now our talisman to be digital is like is like this whole other level to that. But I, I see one movement and then I see the sim- specific symbolism of that uh, connecting these, these two sides of the serpent and the lion. And then that's the pathway in the Kabbalistic tree between Gavora and Chesed. So you have the severity to the mercy is connected with this with this line of Tet, which is strength, which would picture in Crowley's deck, obviously, the, the beast of the apocalypse with the Scarlet Woman. And uh, but for that for and Oz is strength. So you have the meaning of the of the word Oz in, in Hebrew is is strength. And so you have that arcana bridging that that um, that point in the tree. And so when we make a a shift horizontally, we experience that vertically, but the vertical is going to be unseen in the usual sense because these are dimensional. And so it's kind of a complicated thing to get into, but basically I see something happening with our currency that has such anthropologic roots that is so direct. It's, it's absolutely profound. Well, I just want to underscore that because we're shifting from the uh, earth element into the air element. It's about the 200-year cycle. I won't go into all the details. Mm. Um, it, it relates to the Saturn-Jupiter uh, uh, conjunctions. And oh, okay. I followed that. You can go through the assassinations with the Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions through time. Oh, that, I have a, a section of that in one of my blogs that I did years yeah, ago. No, I'm very familiar with that. That probably has been broken, that curse, because Ray, the first Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in an air sign was in 1980, the first in about uh, 800 years. Oh, so you're related Reagan to Hinckley to it him. because Hinckley didn't take him out. And so. Hinckley didn't take him out. And then and then after that, you haven't had an assassination. Now, people are still watching that, but um, we'll see what happens with it. I just want to say, Earth, the Earth element is a tree, right? That's almost as earthly as you can get. And banknotes mm-hmm. are on paper. Um, the first printed banknotes that did not require the name of the payee uh, is in 1855, and earlier banknotes that had names written on them were, this kind of comes into prominence, the idea of using earth for currency right around this transition into the earth element, if we mark it at 1800. I see. But, and now we're entering the air element, and so it's very much about this air element and digital payment. You have uh, Libra, which is Facebook's currency, that's the cardinal air sign. You have um, Gemini, which is the Winklevoss twins current uh, cryptocurrency trading market. Um, and so they, uh, I'm just waiting for Aquarius. I don't think anybody, but the Libra currencies symbol looks like the glyph for Aquarius. And so you have um, this real movement uh, into the air element um, as it relates to currency explicitly with the institutions that are developing that currency in our system. Um, JJ, what's it like in in France? I mean, do you is cash still widely accepted there even after coronavirus? Because that's one of the things I'm really concerned about. I'm hoping cash can still stick around, and that's heading out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, in France is is still uh is still uh flowing. Yeah, I, I use it. I I used it two days ago, and uh, they didn't say anything. 
I was wondering if, if they were saying no, we don't accept cash anymore or anything, but no, it's uh, it's okay. But uh, I see that in Venezuela, they they actually they actually get rid of uh, of paper money. Let's see. Yeah, in China, where I was just living before, um, it, it, you can still use paper money, but everybody uses the phone. And I know in Germany, there's a whole culture of paper money because of the whole fear of like, of, I guess, debt. They don't use really credit cards as, as much. And so I'm just wondering, that shift, when Corona comes, it's almost signaling, hey, cash is bad. And it's yeah. sort of moving us the software upgrade that is Corona directly impacts this idea of currency in a way. I'm just glad paper still sticks around because I have some paper and I don't want to have to put that in a bank. <laughs> I like yeah, having it protected right next to me, you know, where a bank can't get it. Um, but yeah, so anyhow, this idea of the, the air elements explicitly, the institutions of money that are now emerging, explicitly adopting the symbols of the air triplicity in name explicitly and then in the symbol of the Libra currency being that symbol glyph of Aquarius and the move into this kind of I think that's really a, I mean I'm seeing it from that angle David that mm -hmm. you brought up this whole other mystical kind of way that we're getting there it just really underscores that for me in a deeper you know yeah it's that you have you have two things at once you have that there's literally an organic physical shift that's happening and then you have the shell that surrounds that and that shell expresses itself like currency would be the epitome of 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 that sheath and so when we when we're relating to some something like like currency we're relating to like a current and like when you when you're relating to aquarius then you say well here's the emanated flow but when the emanated flow is rigged and restricted in certain directed in certain ways you end up with, um, you know, in, in that replication, it's going to fall short of what it is that that's supposed to be based on. And you see that in the roots of the dollar when when you have the the fall of the ser with this involving the serpent and then you have the um, the resurrection. And so for them to be connecting this very spiritual, meaningful communication and then applying that to our um our trade it gets it gets really dangerous and so i find it really interesting that like jesus would knock over the money tables in the temple and say no trading in the temple and then like even how that relates to 9 11 is the two the two towers being a replication of yakin and boaz that you have this degraded uh temple and us looking to it to be the spiritual source and it's just it's it's not that it's an it's a it's a a twisted version of that um, well, and that's the danger with, with everything becoming digitized is that to go back to the, the uh, tracking and tracing element of COVID, right? That COVID is ushering in this kind of full digitization, not only of the currency, but also of your physical exertion, the movements where you are located. Mm -hmm. and, and that is as much about the value that we exchange as the, you know, the currency that's exchanged too. It's like, where were you literally? Were you at mm -hmm. your job? Were you at the work site? And now that's all going to be known and collated. And you mentioned hospital records. We're now going to have records for everything you do, including how many breaths you took in a day. Um, that's where it gets to me quite um, uh, just, I don't, I don't want to say Orwellian, uh, right. Well, people are neurotic enough, and a lot of our issues stem from that neurosis. 
So, like, even, like, you know, I'm sorry, but, like, sorry, not sorry, but, like, when George Carlin talks about the germaphobes and all this kind of stuff, like, I, I, I have to say that if you, yes, these things exist, but, and you're not getting away from it, you can't completely sterilize yourself from everything. And this kind of, like, um, when you have virtue signaling coming, coming in the guise of, like, how well somebody is sterilizing themselves from everything, it's like, that's not necessarily helpful, I mean, it can be to an extent, sure. Like, I get that. But, like, if it's just your whole life becomes that and you're healthy, it, do, it doesn't make much sense at, at a certain point. Because then, you know, because, like, what you want, in a way, is, like, if there's an epidemic going around, you want people who are relatively healthy to take it on for for herd immunity. And now to even say herd immunity has become like a right-wing talking point somehow. And I'm like, how did that happen? Because I remember that discussion in school. Like, it was never a... Virology was never a partisan issue. Like, how did virology become a partisan issue? Like, it's just... It's it's really weird. Yeah. It, well, and it relates to everything we talked about earlier, where herd immunity, it's this kind of natural versus synthetic, right? They claim that they get to synthetically induce it, and that's the only acceptable herd immunity that you can strive for which is not based on the science. All the herd immunity science originates in studying nature, not in... Right, long before vaccines were ever even around. Even before AIDS, you know. Even before before polio. Way before it all. I mean, like 19th century style. Like this is in Darwin's era. Right, Um, a lot of these things are relatively recent as we relate to them now. So like you were making a point earlier about, about, you know, about race. Racism as we know it didn't exist until around the 1800s, I believe. And yep. you can you can find the sources of the first instances of us kind of putting forward this, these ideas. And there's a lot of assumptions that people have, like this just goes way, way, way back. But, you know, it wasn't really racism as such. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's some fine points there, but um, it, 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 it wasn't until the whole earth had been pretty much like gone over that this kind of, these particular type of expressions of this emerged. And uh, a lot, a lot of it has its roots in economics, and so um, it gets it gets really difficult when you have social classes uh, that are one divide, and then you're dividing those social classes amongst themselves for their particular expressions, you know. And and so yeah, and people people feel uh, un, uh, underrepresented if you belong to a so- certain lower social class, and you know that it's like. Uh, on both sides, on all sides, you know, it's it's just um, the, the in other words, marginalizing people uh, comes about in a, in, a, in various expressions, you know, um, and various excuses, and a lot of times those excuses have little to do. There, the, those excuses sometimes themselves can be distractions from what the actual issues are, you know, even if there's validity to them. I completely agree. And that's why I'm saying, like, for me, the discourse of racialism has to be problematized for us to collectively get over it. I I usually, I like, like, you've heard me even on this call, I say things like melanated, melanated versus less melanated. This is from my so-called black friends. They've taught me this. Well, yeah, my cousins taught me that. So, like, I got, you know, on both sides of my family, I I have certain uh, relatives who are, like, I I got cousins who, you know, they referred to themselves as mulatto. And the first time I heard them say that, it was like a Christmas dinner or whatever. And I was like, is it, isn't that like, isn't that racist? Isn't that a racist? And they were like, no, it's, it's how, how you're phrasing it. And they're, of course, they're a little bit older. 
So it's like, you know, they expressed that they were discriminated against from both sides when they were growing up. Uh, they weren't included with the whites and they weren't as included with the blacks because they were they were in betweeners, you know. And they're like, well, you know, how are you saying mulatto? Are you saying it with attitude? Or are you just using it as a qualifier? And so it PC becomes really difficult to know sometimes depending on who you're talking to. It's more how you say things, though. But then even some people, it doesn't even matter how you say it. You know, so I refrain from saying that just even though they told me that just because I know. <clears throat> you know, I, I would never say that either. But I, I the, my, my main point here is that we have to figure out new signifiers to break free from the baggage. And like, it's just like the anti-vax thing. You're like, that's a. I mentioned that I was reading it from the article, but it's a perfect example. Like that is a strategy that frames the reality. There's no way out of that. And it's then it becomes codified and kind of calcified in the discourse and in the representation such that it's like it's with Hitler. You know, you, there's this whole thing where if, as soon as you bring up Hitler, it ruins an argument. There's a, there's a <laughs> right, right, right. Now, everyone, everyone you disagree with is Hitler. Yeah. Or, or Orwell. He has the whole thing. Fascism. F is for and he writes this whole article. It's a meaningless <laughs> term. It kind of holds things for us and kind of keeps us locked in. So I'm advocating for breaking free of that. I think that's the only way we get over this stuff is to kind of. To, right. Eventually, kind of we're going to have to acknowledge that you have underlying neuroses on all sides of the table and that that expresses itself through political movements, but the political movements aren't aren't changing. That isn't the isn't the solution. It goes deeper than that. Oh, yeah, let's JJ come in here. Uh, tell yeah. us your closing thoughts. Yeah, what's? Uh, no, just want to say it was great to to you and uh, yeah. Uh, Stay safe. <laughs> JJ, I love what you're doing. I look forward to the third installment in this series. I think it's fucking brilliant. And I appreciate the work that you're doing, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Really, really. That's great. That's Essential mm -hmm. work, JJ. Thank you. Thank you for everything. And, you know, he's the guy that translated Rick Clay into French. Right? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, actually, this was the first, uh, the, the first video I translated. And uh, I think it was my my introduction into sync. You know, was that was that in 2012? Uh, no, no, no. Before 2008. Uh, yeah. 2010. Uh, so he did that video 10. in 2010, right? In 2008. He did a video in 2008, and he died. I, I don't know. I, I discovered yeah. in 2009 or 10. I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, these years yeah. all kind of blend together into one gelatinous yeah. thing. Yeah. Sometimes. But yeah. No, I got you. Wow. Thank you. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know who the first person to translate Alice in Wonderland into Russian was? Uh, was Tolstoy? It was um, uh, Nabokov, who uh, did Lolita. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Lolita, Alice. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah. Um, have a great day. Okay. You too, man. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Um, so David, I'm just saying, there's something I was we were we were flowing there on, and I, um, you know, it's just fascinating. All of these hits. I mean, the currency is a huge deal. I, I really like this idea of the coronavirus as an upgrade, a software upgrade for humanity. I feel like um, it's just it's big and powerful. It traces back. You can also go into like the period of around 500 A.D. At least on the historical record, right? where the Roman Empire, the Western Roman Empire falls before 500 AD, but then right after 500 AD, you have these volcanoes that basically, a lot of scientists claim, shut down agriculture. Yes. 
And so there's a huge change in everything about humanity at, at, at that, or many things about how the resources were, uh, you know, delved out in the communities and how the governments were structured. It feels like we're, we're hitting that right now. And it's not going to be like that. It's going to be a transition. Right. Well, we want this level of control. And I think that there's something to be said for Bill Gates being a computer programmer. And that when you're relating to viruses on a computer and then like because we built computers like they're not an or, a natural organism, but they're utilizing natural elements to get them to run and work. So like what powers anything, intelligence set, anything, electricity that's involved is the same thing that's powering us. But then you have this thing that we've built, but it's not a creation. And so <clears throat> when you're re relating to something. Uh, that in the same way that you would relate to a computer and then you try to apply that to human beings, well, we're different than computers. We're primary to computers in terms of emanation. And so, you know, you have to, um, you have to kind of take that in, into consideration when somebody is computer-minded and then trying to just, you know, apply that to human beings. And so he couldn't control the viruses on the computer's how are we supposed to control the viruses in human beings? This idea of absolute control over us and not like, you know, being, and we we're so detached and removed from natural processes. It seems so symptomatic, so directly of a type of sublimation uh, extending from a repression from our environment. And so of course, to isolate ourselves uh, is I'm just speaking symbolically is um is seems directly connected with that the idea of sterilization like it would be like if you want to you know clean your defrag and clean your computer you know what i mean it's like <laughs> it's uh uh there's a, there's certain places where you find a degree of futility and with human beings it's even more futile because the intelligence in nature actually like if i get sick like when i get the flu Let's say this is a flu. It's it's got symptoms of fever, but if I get a flu, I'm very like I'm very aware that of okay. Well, this knows what it's doing. Maybe if I cleansed more, maybe if I ate raw and exercised more, I wouldn't need this. But as it stands, I'm like I I can feel that I'm being purified, and I feel the immune boost when I come to the other side of it. And I know that like I'm like well, depending on how unhealthy somebody is, the more subject they are to have this affect them in worse way worse ways. So when it's flu season, I'm like, you know, not everybody is going to be able to get to the other side of this. And, um, you know, it's, it, that's just a recognition. You know, that has nothing to do with uh, morality in any sense. It's just like this is what nature does. You know, even, even if it's something that's made in a lab, it's still what it's going to do. There's certain – you have your sphere of influence. And so I think we have this desire to be able to influence it more than we're actually able and um, that kind of insistence, I think, stems from an, another level of repression. It, I believe it's symptomatic of something deeper. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm with you on that. I, I've got a, a sink, sink, uh, sinking or sneaking, sorry, sneaking suspicion that this kind of master plan, it's, it's doomed from the outset because the human body, it, you know, is not it's just going to uh, reincorporate and process whatever is released. I'm not saying like sarin gas in one bus would kill people for sure, but by and large, these bioweapons, they just kind of fall away and kind of fragment and kind of dissipate. One couple of things I wanted to say here, um, mixing fluids, this is a big part of how I've been processing this and thinking about this is that 
you know, the idea of sanitizing away, first of all, reminds me of brain washing, brainwashing. There's a reason why they use that terminology, like cleansing the brain, cleaning it to then put something else in its place. Yeah. But the second thing and most important thing is like we mix fluids, right? That is what human beings do. And I don't know if you like you've laid around with a lover for like a weekend or something. It's nasty and dirty. There's fluids everywhere. You know, I'm shaving. You know, I'm I'm eating her fluids. She's eating mine. It's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. And that's like a primal, essential. And what comes from that is what you spoke about earlier. The fractal gets reproduced. That's how we reproduce the fractal. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, in Orwell. When they have sex, and the movie is so amazing with John Hurt around mm-hmm. this particular um, point because the, it's so dark and the lighting and the shoots, the shots, and then they get into nature and they eat the fresh bread mm-hmm. and they fuck. And she's beautiful. I love that actress. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's something that is essential to the sex act, and I and and so we could take that to like tantric practice, or but it's it's the generative force of our reality. And I think when you see stories like COVID is in the semen. That's highly concerning to me. I've seen also propagation of ads about sex dolls uh, as a result of this. You know, so I think they have to go there. They have to separate us from our sexuality. And the pornography angle of that, and I hate to sound, and Rick Clay brought this up. So it's again, right with Rick Clay, he started talking directly about pornography as a means to kind of deaden this humanity. I know it's complex. There's a different way to look at that. But right, but it it brings up Wilhelm Reich's The Mass Psychology of Fascism because that's kind of the baseline of that book. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a, and then, and then Floyd is in a porno video. <laughs> and I'm not judging from this, but this has been around my Twitter feed. It shows him with Pornhub and he's got like he was on some Pornhub videos. Sure, you know, sure. Good for him. You know, and so. Um, but but so the sex act and this primal this this what is so, the mass psychology of fascism? I mean, is the idea that that gets sublimated that you suppress the sexual? Yeah, he's basically taking Freud's main premise and then he's extrapolating it further. So he takes his, Freud's basic ideas and then he goes in his own direction with it. But he's a lot of it is about subliminals and and how like even like the symbols that we're relating to um, have um, you know s- sexual undertones. And that, you know, you, you, you're, you're taking something that when you're not getting it here, you're going to look for it there. And then a lot of fascism is, is based on when one thing is being denied and then we look for that to be supplied from something else that can't actually supply that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then that's kind of used as the, well, and, and it relates to um, mass you talked about mob earlier. I think this is how mob, I mean, ultimately you're sublimating that sexual instinct because sex and violence are at, at some level, there is a correlation. That's why Mars is representative of sex in the ancient text as well as Venus. And Mars yeah. is also passion and violence. There's, there, there, that's a part of the sex act. And, and I'm, not, I'm not advocating the kind, like any kind of illegal violence here, but I'm just saying that primal instinct, I mean, to kind of just you know, go with that urge and you're, there's a penetration component. I mean, you're piercing someone's right. Well, they're, 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 they're perfect opposites of sex and violence. And so it's interesting that we group them together in the way that we do, like even like the, the first uh, Muppets pilot for the Muppet show was called the end of sex and violence. And now, now it's, you can only get little sections of it since Disney bought the Jim Henson corporation. But basically it's this whole joke of like to end sex and violence. Like it's like, good luck. Uh, but you know, uh, viol- violence is 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 a destructive act. Sex is a creative act. We we group them together as if they were both these, you know, <laughs> you know. No, but it's sex, just... 
sex is destructive that's the thing like sex uh, the people people will yield to that sexual uh, desire and destroy their marriage destroy relationships destroy families right but a lot of that has to do with the social constructs and when something isn't isn't allowed in one place then it will seek it out elsewhere and so let me put it another way then i mean have you seen in state of nature uh dogs or like um these animals when they have sex and does that that it's a it's a it appears and i mean i i get your point uh david completely and i think you're making a great point but i do think that there's a reason why in the in the core archetype of our reality which is which are the seven traditional planets and it goes back way back to babylon or even before i mean mars and venus are both assigned that and in the zodiac they're opposite each other right you have Mm. aries opposite libra and Mm. you have Scorpio opposite Taurus, and it's because mm. in that sex act you have polarity, the polarity coming into to, to joining uh, through sex, and I think that there's something. Maybe violence is the wrong term. I mean, right, but it, ha- it has to do with like so. Um, Reich's distinction between him and Freud is Freud felt when you go through all the layers of our neuroses that you just get more neuroses. We just get more neurotic as we go go down into it. Like he didn't take it that there was actually an end in sight, so he was very pessimistic. Um, Wilhelm Reich felt very different. He felt that if you were to penetrate all these layers of distortion that exist in culture and in the are are kind of relating to these substitute forms through sublimation, that at the heart of it all was actually an ecstatic state. So he's, he was basically saying the same thing as someone like Srinivas Sagardata Maharaj would say or Krishnamurti would say where he's like at the at our, our most essential place, like what makes us human. Like when people go, oh, that's just the way humans are. It's like not necessarily that's a question of nature versus nurture. Like so, you know, that the natural state would be an ecstatic state is is an idea that goes along with mysticism. And so Jung would probably resonate with that, but you know Freud had a different different um, take on that. And so and you see you see that show up when he doesn't himself want to be analyzed himself. You know, um, what's the hang up? You know, um, you, I should probably jump off this call here. Uh, okay. Soon. okay. I think I, I need All right. To... Let me just one final thought. We'll close. We'll close down here. But I mean, I think that this is an interesting uh, thing, and I think that but I would just posit this question back to you. Like, you know, in the ecstatic state, do you still eat food? You know, and, and the answer is probably some, maybe some Buddhist are not would say you transcend and then you're done with this incarnation. But I do think that there is something, the ecstatic state in this case wouldn't exclude the martial side of the sex act. I mean, and in fact, you have people like Margot Anand, the great um, tantric kind of popularizer of the 20th century. In her books, she does, has exercises where you actually go in to that primal kind of martial type of sex sexual activity of course with the safe that's what safe words are all about right it's held in this kind of but i think it's not that's that is an essential component of sex i mean and and i would argue for that at least the highest expression of it is still retain this kind of so-called violent or we could passionate physical kind of uh you know like you know like you see women a lot of women or men or whoever that kind of rough sex you call it is part of that turn on. It's part of that connection. Part of that, you might even say, ecstatic experience. You know. So just to, that's my well, final. The thought. way that you, that Jung explained it to his closest students, which you can see in a in a book called uh, The Rabbi's Tarot by Daphne Moore, is this idea that in um, religious fraternities of old, when it wasn't 
organized religion as we know it today, when people um, would abstain from sex, it was for a specific period, and it was to redirect the energies. And that once those energies are redirected and things are related to in a, in a different, more natural way, that things get, get reinstituted, but with a new awareness. And so that's different than the way that religion ended up relating to it later, which is just this kind of like getting away from the world as if transcendence was avoidance rather than like to, to transcend, to go through something to the other side, to face something like your own mortality. And so, you know, to, um, so that gets kind of tricky there because if you, if you're relating to it, uh, if we're having this discussion on a conceptual level, this isn't really a conceptual thing. This is a living thing. And so it has its own intelligence. And when we try to understand it, it's very difficult not to compartmentalize it, which is its own form of sublimation. And so you end up with the same thing kind of going through the back door when trying to discuss or understand, um, you know, the, um, the, the human condition or even just the animalistic side to ourselves. You know, I would bring up Herman Hesse's uh, Steppenwolf and compare that to Siddhartha. Where you, where in Steppenwolf you have this, you know, this duality that's being projected, and then his the kind of the moral of the story, or one of the morals of the story is that to be able to consider that actually we have an infinite number of possibilities, and that we've just polarized it into these two options, which is extremely limiting and false compared to that higher reality, and so like I think that 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 expresses itself. In the, in the realms of one's relationship to their own sexuality. Because if you're objectifying yourself, you're going to objectify others. And the truth is, is that there's nothing really objective about our subjective experience. And so that becomes a much deeper philosophical matter that's hard enough on its own to explore, like the meanings of things. But then when you bring in um, sex, which is attached to so many different ideas for whoever which whichever individual you're speaking to you know they have their their own perceptions around it like if i was to say oh you're looking at the animal kingdom it's like that's still like us looking at something from where we are and trying to understand something i think that that they're not they're they don't have the same hang-ups so it's um yeah you know, that polarity, I think there, you know, it has it's, it's a deep, deep conversation. There's some objective features to polarity, I think, in nature that I would say, but we can set that aside for later. I did also want to say, you know, she came in through the bathroom window. I was thinking, mm. uh, <laughs> so, you know. She could rob, but she could not steal. Supposedly, that's, <laughs> that, that's a line from Thus Spake Zarathustra, according to Patrick Sveck. But, yeah. yeah. Okay, then. Well, let's let's wind down here. Uh, it's been nice to connect with you tonight, David. Absolutely. Hang oh, it's there. awesome. I would like to do this more. I mean, I, I generally have more time than I used to, so I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, so so drop me a line. Let me know. It's it, I'm really bad at checking my emails, but I've been trying to be better about that. And so even like right before this conversation, I went to look up look up Wally to see what was going on because I heard that he was supposed to be on this call. And I see I have a message from him from like way back when that I never got. I never I didn't realize he had sent it or he's asking me things about our exchange in Brighton. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I need to get back to him on the, on that. It's just, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be more in touch right now than I had been. You know, I had just so much going on in my life. It was it was getting challenging. But now I'm, I'm home a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. OK, cool. Yeah, I've been in touch with Alan, kind of filtering through him. And he's just been sending the emails. And I think this Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern time is the one we've hit for like the at least for this this kind of thread with JJ. And cool. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. 
I'll, I'll definitely let let uh, Alan know that email. He probably knows. I'm guessing already that email is your preferred um, is is how to get you. So well, actually, the, the email is the least has traditionally been the least effective way to get me. Uh, the most directive way to get me is either like a an actual message on like a like a like a text message on my phone or Facebook. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, for better or worse, I, I use Facebook quite a bit. So. I see things when they come up on there, but I, I don't always catch it when it comes in my email. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. Uh, this is a great conversation. Likewise. Okay. Peace, man. Take care. Peace.